Yeah. So, Daniel, I remember when I lived in, uh, in Australia, this is, I guess, back in uh, 2005 to 2008, like three and a half years, you and your family was maybe, um, you were the most recurring guest we had, our house pet. So you did a lot of trips back then, back and forth from Sweden to Australia. And I remember one particular uh, globe trotting event that beats everything, you know, like one tra travel you did that was insane. What, what was that all about? Well, well, Henrik, yeah, I, uh, I frequented you a lot. I think the record was eight times in one year yeah. from Sweden to eight Australia. Eight times to Australia in one year. Yeah. So you can imagine how much time I spent at home and how popular that, that was. But I think the, the occasion you're thinking about is um, uh, being a very dedicated product manager working at Ericsson and having a Australian customer, uh, in this case, Telstra, the, the large telecom incumbent. Yeah. So it's like Telia, but in, in Australia, you could say, the, the, the incumbent huge Telstra. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and at the time they had... Uh, they were doing the transformation from a public ent entity to a more private oriented and they had brought in an American management team. So, uh, I remember this. Yeah. So what was his name? I, I, I Sol Trujero. Sol Trujero. And his three amigos. Yeah, the three amigos. And this is, in Australia, this was in the industry, the three amigos was a known term of fear. Yes. And um, Ericsson or I... Myself, in, in, in form of Ericsson employee, had made, you know, we had signed a deal that we were going to supply a product to, to them. And uh, it was late. Uh, and of course, uh, the American management style is escalate. So the phones rang in Stockholm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it trickled down to me. And they said, you have to get on a plane and go to Australia and explain the situation and, and, you know, why haven't we delivered? And I said, oh, God. Uh, but uh, I did better than that. I actually, the, the factory where we were, were supposed to produce the product, I, I was checking. So we were, we were close. We were close. So I decided to go to the factory and pick up six, six early prototypes of the product and bring with me. So I had this interesting trip where I went... Um, for this escalation meeting in Melbourne then with, with Telstra. So I left Stockholm, went, went to London, went to Warsaw, went to Bucharest, went to Timisoara, because that's where the... So factor the factory was in Timisoara. So where are we now? Romania, right? Romania. Okay. So just getting there, five flights. <laughs> um, maybe flight shame is, is, is was not on the table in this uh, time time no it was <laughs> just try to get there and get things done and um, I spent two days there so I just went to the factory and said I'm not leaving here until you have six prototypes for me here that I can bring with me so I sat sat at the factory and uh, it, it, it's a good experience. I think anybody who's passionate about their products or, you know, uh, yeah. w want to put some pressure on their suppliers should try that. You Go and sit in the factory and just wait until it's, they, they come up with a unit. Because they're not very comfortable having somebody else there. So, I mean, I, I think it does speed up things when, when you do something like that, for sure. Uh, to make matters worse, I, I came down with a fever as well. I was here. So, <laughs> so I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't at my best. 
<laughs> and uh, I got some dodgy Romanian uh, food or whatever. pills to pills. take take my fever down. So, so finally, but anyway, I get I get the prototypes. I get on a plane, Timisoara this time, Timisoara, Vienna, London, Kuala Lumpur, Sydney, and bang, Melbourne. Here I, here I am, <laughs> Melbourne. Quite confused. Um, I, the whole trip lasts a week, so I was two days in 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 Romania. Uh, so from when I started, so I've, I've seeing I was semi sick. I already lost sort of kind of track what day it is, but I think I arrived on a Wednesday morning yeah. in Melbourne, and then more or less like one or two days in Melbourne max. No, the next day I, I had to leave. So I had, <laughs> so there there were two there were two meetings. There was a there was a. Um, Meeting with their technical staff, where I sort of put up all the prototypes for them and sort of uh, demoed it. Or what I, did you do? Well, demoed it. We, we had a long discussion, explained the importance of timelines, this, that, and the other. And they actually unpacked one and had a look at it and um, inserted a SIM into it and and connected a phone and just checked and see. Yeah, it kind of works. Um, and the funny thing, what happened during this meeting? Yeah, because he'd used his SIM card from his ordinary f- cell phone, and during the meeting, the phone actually rang. So the thing worked. The, the proto- thing worked. The, the prototype, prototype worked, and he answered <laughs> phone, and everything worked. After that, there was no more discussion. So that was a that was a magic moment in in so, that. So bottom line, right? You know, when you're a product manager, this is cool stuff. Yes, it, it's it's kind of. They were super happy. The tech guys. It actually does work. You know, in the meeting, it was proven without. And was was this the first very very first batch that yes. you delivered? Very first batch. No, they've never tried it before, and we hadn't actually hundred percent tried the meat either. I mean, there were stuff in the lab that were. Yeah, and uh, what were is not, what is this product, by the way? Um, so it's it was called a fixed wireless terminal. It's a it's it's really to substitute uh, a home broadband and phone connection. It was something that. In the early twenty hundreds, uh, a lot of a lot of telcos were looking to re- re- replace cable out in rural areas and and have such a box. And it, it's it's becoming more of a phenomenon today as well. Um, but today you're delivering even higher broadband services, but also TV service that way. So it's 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 it's. So it's what is it? Effort. Essentially, it's a box with a SIM card, and when you connect to the to this box, all of a sudden you can have like. Several people using it as Wi-Fi, yes, or something yeah. like this. It has Wi-Fi or Ethernet, but SIM-based uh, wi- wi- Wi-Fi, if you like. Yeah, three three G, four G at this time. Three G, three G. So, th- so th- you have to remember at this time, three G was pretty new. This is before. Yeah, this, this is even new. Three G. Yeah. Oh I, my god. Three G was pretty new. Um, there was no smartphones. There was no iPhone. You know. So this is pro. Yes. Uh, no smartphone. No iPhone times. Yes, so so you have to remember the, the context of when they so so. Fantastic meeting, the thing works. I'm happy. The customer's happy. Uh, next meeting was just a yelling meeting where one of the <laughs> three amigos sat for an hour and just yelled and told how worthless we were. Not Part of negotiation, <laughs> probably. Uh, I, I I was young and inexperienced and. Uh, the the local Ericsson team said that was a good meeting, and I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, 
But I, I guess it's something that you've learned if, I mean, because the meeting lasted for a long time, if it's a short meeting and somebody else at you, you know, you're probably never coming back. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, but a long meeting and they yell, oh, no, they, no. they kind of want to have you to stick around. Yes. Some, some. S- something like that. So, okay. so that was interesting. And, and uh, so that was my Wednesday, two meetings. Um, Thursday morning, jump on a plane and get back home. Yeah. So. So, so let's go get back to a little bit to Australia later and and and, and all that and, and what, what you know what that experience was all about. But but let's start uh, Daniel Lewis. Like uh, who is Daniel Lewis? What's your journey into this uh, space? It's uh, a good question. Uh, who am I? Um, uh, let's start with some uh, defining moments in my life that uh, that uh, have taken me to where I am today. I mean, one of the big things in my life was. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Christmas or if it was a birthday or something. I got a Commodore 64 computer. Ooh. I mean, this is for anybody who's likes technology or that, that was wow. Uh, I can't remember if I was nine or 10 years old. I mean, that was a defining moment. You, you got this thing that you connected to the TV. You could play games on it, which was of course, super fun. Uh, computer games, even though that were, you know, basic stuff, but very basic stuff compared to today, but it was amazing. But you could also write programs on it. You could do stuff on your own on it, which was like, were you programming when you were a kid or were uh, you more of a gamer? Uh, both? I, I, I did a, I was more of a gamer than a programmer, but I did a bit of both to just to basic understand. But I, I understood that this computers were magic. They, these were really something that you could do things with and, um, take you places. So that, that was a very defining moment for me. So that started my really tech interest even. Yes, I absolutely that, that started my tech interest. Um, other defining moments. Um, I lost my dad when I was 19, he died of cancer. So, I mean, that, mm. that's a very defining moment in my life. I had actually just started, uh, uh, my degree in engineering at KTH here, Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm. And, uh, I, it was, it was, it was tough times and, and, uh, actually dropped out because I, I couldn't, I couldn't find myself to focus on, on studying during that period. So what I actually ended up doing was joining Ericsson because I'd, I've been in quite young. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like 19, 20, even uh, 21, maybe. 21, 21. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the studying part didn't fall out very well, joined Ericsson. And the reason why I joined Ericsson, my father had worked at Ericsson and, uh, I'd been an intern at different parts of Ericsson during summer. So I knew some the pe- company a little bit and you yeah, liked the company. Yeah. And, and some people, and you know, you, you, yeah. you call people, you know, and say, Hey, you know, uh, can I, you know, continue here? Work. Yeah. So I started that and ha- had a very good school there, spent, uh, Spent actually 19 years with a, within Ericsson doing different things, a long journey there. I need to ask you, you told me this privately, um, but it, I think it's a cool story. Didn't you one time, and I think this is quite early in your career at Ericsson, w- go out to fix the PBX at Peter Wallenberg's mansion, like the, the CEO of... Uh, or the chairman of SCB at this point in time. This is ages back. Yeah. So Peter Wallenberg, uh, the I mean the Wallenbergs are the uh, 
the uh, the family that the influential industrialists and banking here in Sweden and and uh, uh, I mean they they own and control large part of Ericsson so uh, of course they had a they had good Ericsson products at home. <laughs> Well, a PBX is not something a normal person would have at what home. What is a PBX? Or what was a PBX? E- exactly. So <laughs> now, now anybody who's who who is younger than forty years old probably doesn't know even what a PBX is. So PBX stands for Private Branch Exchange. So it's it, it's it's a branch telephony system for for small, medium, or large companies. So, so it's a vexel. It's a small. Yes. Uh, what, what do you call it in English? Switch. Switch. It's yeah. it's it's like a company switch, yes. typically, right? Yes. And he had one at home at his residence, and uh, this, so this is not a B two C consumer product. Abs- this is a B two B product. Uh, absolutely not. It's a B two B product, very much so. So, <laughs> and how he got it and installed? Don't ask. It probably came out the factory and into his house. Uh, and, um, you know, he had, the, these were digital phones. So they weren't analog, so they had extra information and function so that, you know, if a call came through, it would ring on all the phones in the house or whatever, if it was important, etc. You could, you know, so several people could join the call, but in different so rooms. So we, we're talking 80s, 90s or something like that. I don't know. It's late, nine, 90s, 90s, late, late 90s. Um, Anyway, um, something wrong with it. Peter Wallenberg calls somebody uh, at, at, at Ericsson and, and it trickles down. So I happen to be left in the office. Some, some, some boss comes in and says, hey, we have a problem. Peter Wallenberg's switch doesn't work. And you go, can somebody go? And I say, yeah, why not? Okay, I'll go. I'm here. I, I don't have anything to do at home right now. So... Uh, you know, Thursday evening or whatever it was. Yeah, so I I, I grab a cab, get out to um, out to his residence, which is outside town, pretty far out, and um, yeah, get let in. You know, through the gates and everything. You know, this is this is not your average residence. I mean, this is a pretty important guy. You know, one of the most important industrial people in Sweden and. He can't phone. I mean, you, you know, you have to, you have to realize. Of course, he had a mobile phone, but I mean, people called fixed phones in these days, and it, he couldn't call out, and people couldn't call in. So that was a problem. It had to be fixed. Had to be fixed. Um, yeah. So pretty big house. You know, m- more more phones in the house than uh, uh, than yeah. the normal house. Than the normal house. You know, I'd I'd, I'd say even a small office. You, maybe wouldn't have as many phones as he'd had all around the house. It was like a full media setup, I guess. He, you know, he had the works, you know, in, in the in the, in the the basement where the exchange was installed, you know, he had all kinds of satellite racks and, you know, he had direct feeds out of Reuters and, and things like that. Of course, I mean... Well, he, why not? He should have. Yeah, I mean, important business guy. I mean, today we have the internet, so it's pretty easy. But, I mean, in these days, this is what you had. So, I mean, he... He had a, he had a setup, that's for sure. He had a good pad, um, so it was interesting. And um, could you fix it? Semi fix it, so it kind of did some bypass. But it, it, it there were there were several things that needed replacing because it was it was old and you know 
but uh, got it working. I mean, so he at least could fall, uh, phone, 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 yeah. And um, then um, while waiting for the cab, had to sit down in his couch and had a, a bit of a chat with Peter Vallenberg. And he kind of asked me a few questions, what I did and, and so forth. And, you know, I said, yeah, well, I, I do this at Ericsson Pride Branch Exchanges and... and And um, he asked me, yeah, do you travel in that? Um, not so much. I hadn't started traveling at Ericsson at that point. And then he, but I said, I'm half English, so I, I uh, spend time in UK. And he said, yeah, I spend a lot of time. Because when he was young, he didn't join the bank as, as, the, as the family should. So he became an industrialist. So he actually went to northern England and... Uh, dealt with machinery and shipping and stuff there so i mean he so, has a cool background yeah yeah so he he's a proper industrialist so he's a, he's not a, a accounting guy so he's a business guy and industrialist so it it was interesting it was one of those moments here here you know 21 22 years old you know you meet somebody who's su super influential in, uh, in sweden like one like yeah. one of the main guys yeah at this time yeah. so that's uh, i mean That was a mo that was also a hard moment, you know. You go like, wow, you know, this this is very different to to what being around the office and the important guys there. This this was sort of off the charts to that, you know. But he was very laid back. Very cool. Laid back. And, and back to Ericsson, like, so so what sort of what 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 things have you been sort of working on, or what's been your sort of field in Ericsson? Uh, oh, so it's, or defining moments, even I guess. Uh, So yeah, so so we'll get back to that. So I mean, uh, in, in in the late '90s, you know, I started with private branch exchange. There were, you know, this is wireline. We talk yeah. about you know, oh, yes. we talk oh, yes. wireline versus wireless in Ericsson right now. Oh right? yes, so we're still pretty much wireline, and but the trend at the end of the '90s, going into the 2000s, was there was something called voice over IP that was starting to emerge. I mean, C Cisco started to emerge as a big player with uh, with uh, with enterprise data. You started to get packet data networks going. The Cisco switches, the core switches, blah, exactly, blah, blah. Exactly, and, and, and that was starting to eat into um, telephony because you could, instead of a circuit switch telephony, you started a packet switch telephony. And um, Ericsson was a little late to the game. So the next defining moment, Ericsson made a um, acquisition in Silicon Valley, of a small company, a oh, fairly small company. I think it was around $150 million at that time called Touchwave. And um, I joined sort of a team uh, here in Sweden that was going to work with this new uh, this voice over IP product and bring it into Ericsson and, and, and so I had a I started going to Silicon Valley and and that was a defining moment for me in, in my career at Ericsson also to, 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 to get the get the vibe early you got the vibe early uh, yeah it was it was so different I remember first time coming in they were um, they were based in I think it was I think it was Mountain View they were originally based in um, and uh, come in to this office and it, you know it's only concrete floors it's cables all over the floor there's just these cubicle walls set up here and there sporadically and it's like 
I was like, is this an office? You know, it was nothing like, a, you know, Sweden's everything's organized. Everybody had a room and all these kinds of things. And it was like, where, where am I? What is this? So what is it like? Like, like more, more hardcore factory garage tech. Use tech focus. Yes. Tech, tech, tech. Uh, there were just people, people were there, you know, they were sitting coding. That's what, that's what they did. And it's like, ah, uh, this, it was... Different vibe. It was it was very different. But the one thing that they did have this this this, this is this is a Silicon Valley thing that I discovered also later that any company really you go go to I don't know if that could have changed. They have a kitchen area, and it's loaded with soda and snacks and stuff just <laughs> to keep people happy and you keep know, working. <laughs> keep working. You know, there, there's always something to eat, and you know, it's it's. Um, you know, in Sweden, we have the coffee machine, which is like the holy grail. This seems to be like the Silicon Valley, the, right? snack you know, area. the so- snacks with the sodas and, and, and so forth. So, but, but the experience of being there, it was like, it wasn't important, you know, what it looked like. It wasn't important. It was, you know, it was sitting there coding. and But and it was tech code is the holy grail. Yes. It was, you know, people sat there and worked and worked and worked and we need to get this working. And it was... It was an in, in, interesting uh, uh, and learning experience. Uh, and when you did this project, is, is, is Ericsson still a wireline company or has it started to emerge as a wireless? When, 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 when is the defining moment for Ericsson here to, go, to become a wireless company? Uh, I think that had already already happened, but we, we belong to another part of Ericsson that was mm-hmm. still the wireline. So, yep. so Ericsson, oh, yeah. Ericsson hadn't given up on that yet. So we were still uh, in the wireline space. Um, but, uh, but after this period with, with this product and, and the, I, I moved into wireless, that was sort of my next step within, within Ericsson because, uh, the wireline side was going, was going downhill more or less. I you mean, you could it, see, could yeah. you see as a, as an industry, as a company uh, where this was, go- what, where the trajectory was for, Yeah, it, you know, it was, it was starting to go downhill. I mean, people adopting, uh, cellular uh, at a very, I mean, it started to really boom among among um, consumers that people started buying phones because when I started Ericsson, it, you know, early, well, mid nineties. I don't know how many had a had their own mobile phone that wasn't that common, uh, but it gradually started growing and you know everybody started having a phone and. You know, I saw that this 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 is the future. I mean, it's it's going to be wireless. That that is definitely the future. Mm. So that that's how I, I kind of moved into wireless and then started looking at. So that's how my first product, uh, moving into product management, was looking at. Well, how do we replace wireless or wires with something wireless that gives you that same functionality? And, and initially, was you know voice over IP. No, oh, not 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 really. Uh, but you know, you cut the cable, you put a box in instead that uses the wireless uh, network. But you stick your phone and your uh, your bro- your broadband connection into that rather than you have somebody that's pulled out cable to your house or whatever. So that that was my next journey in there, and ever since it has been sort of on the wireless path. Uh, with the different technology. So, I, so I, it started with 3G and now we're at 5G. And then 
some point here, you I think you went into uh, Ericsson Enterprise, the, like the products you work with that they belong to uh, one function within Ericsson, which was more enterprise product or? That, that was the PBX side. That's, that's the PBX a, side, That's yeah. where I started. Okay. Mm. So, and, and, and when is the transition here to Sierra? Uh, because uh, what, and what year is that? <laughs> yeah, what, what year is it? Uh, well, so I, I usually think oh, it wasn't long ago. I haven't been at Sierra that long, but it's actually seven years now. So it's uh, so in 2013 I joined Sierra Wireless, and the reason for that. So after some of my fixed wireless endeavors, I started sort of going more level, low level into that, and we were doing something called wireless modules. The so this is the precursor, I would say, to um, to um, the IoT and M2M world that we have today. It was building, in that case, it was broadband modules um, uh, to integrate into laptops and other devices to have a cellular connection in them. So, so, so this is like, if we go back a couple of years, people, some people remember it, you, you were able to stick a SIM card into your PC, stuff like this. Absolutely. And, and and your technology was essentially the module that was in your Toshiba or in your Dell computer. Yes. So so you sold to Dell and to Toshibas and the yes, likes. Yes. And, as and an example, yeah. As an example. So so it's an alternative. It's it's not a mobile phone. It's only the data part to enable uh, a broadband connection in any device. So Ericsson did that for a while. You have to remember this also started Pre iPhone, yeah, this is pre iPhone. Uh, when this all started up, but pre pre iPad, pre iPad. So, and at the time, you know, Intel was pushing something. So we talked a lot to Intel. Intel was pushing something they called a MID, mobile internet device. Uh, and what do you know? In I think what is it, 2010, 2011, what came out? Apple brought out the iPad, which was literally. Uh, uh, MID, uh, mobile internet device, but done their way, their way. I mean, but it had cellular connectivity. So it was sort of all, all the ideas have existed prior to that, but I think Apple sort of nailed it with an iPad with, with what we were doing. So that was one of the sort of type of devices. And then we started looking at how, how do we go broader with this? How do we go outside the space of computing and, and, and that? And stuff? SIM cards everywhere. Or connect. Now, now so this, is, this is sort of ramping up to Ering, Ericsson's uh, call, connecting, you know, connecting 50 yeah. billion connected devices or something like that. So this is a couple of years earlier, mm-hmm. but you, could, you were in the position, I, I think we talked about this even back then, how this was emerging in this direction. Yeah, so... so so Ericsson coined, uh, uh, they had a vision that by 2020, there would f- be 50 billion connected devices. How did we go? Do you know the stats? Uh, <laughs> I think they talk about 30 billion in there, but then you can, dis- you c- you can discuss whether they are uh, cellular or other technology, yeah. but, but there's a lot of connected devices, but there's still a lot that it is not, not connected. So, I mean, we, we started looking at, sort of the broader scope, but then Ericsson decided uh, for different reasons that Ericsson is a network company focus on, on the network rather than the, um, the device side. And that's when I decided, well, I kind of, you like that style. I I like the devices. I like the stuff that 
goes into people's hands or in, in, in into somewhere where, where you can touch the network is you know it's more, more abstract back in, more back in yeah. it's more abstract and you know you you know if you work with a network you don't you don't really work with the whole network you work with a tiny piece of it whereas a end devices you know it's something that you can touch and hold and you know re- more relate to so and then Sierra Wireless, which I mean, like maybe not everyone in Sweden has a such. I mean, like Ericsson is a household name in Sweden. In 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 the Sierra Wireless, it's a Canadian company, right? So yeah. what? So what? So let's do the company and the story at Sierra. Yeah. So okay, Sierra Wireless. So um, I knew Sierra because I, you know, if you're in the industry, you yeah, know yeah. who's in the in in the industry. But so they so were your competitors, let in kind, some ways. Kind of, yeah. So they de- definitely a competitor. I mean, to Ericsson at that point in time. Yeah. So Sierra Wireless is a pretty old company. If you look at at, at the industry they're in, they're 27 years old and with wireless, with wireless, and focused on mobile data uh, and enabling mobile data into into devices. They started also with with computers and uh, gateways and and um, Cater particularly for type of rugged, rugged type of installations and that. So small company that, that's grown and grown and grown. So when I joined Sierra, there were around 650 people. So mid, fairly, you know, known in the industry and fairly, you know, pretty global presence in all all the the continents. Um, and uh, while I've been there, Sierra's been on a journey as well from going from a hardware company moving into a uh, more of a service company and um, building a more complete stack in, in in the IoT space. So, so let, let's I mean, let's talk about that. Um, so let's talk about Sierra. But I, what does that mean to be? What what does that concretely mean? Going from hardware to what does that mean for Sierra? Yeah. So for Sierra, that has meant. So I mean, if 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 you look at it, so Sierra had a broader view of 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 the market than Ericsson. They they started looking earlier at not only enabling uh, PCs and and broadband types of devices. So they had other types of devices that didn't need that that amount of data. So they had made acquisitions and 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 start forming their company. So it, there you talk about very low bandwidth applications, but still needed to be connected, like, I don't know, for for temperature measurements or whatever you have. So the, the spectrum was wireless connectivity. Yes. End to end to some degree or not end to end? Not end to end, but uh, but selling hardware into those spaces. But well, I, I don't mean end to end, but there are many types of connectivity use cases and yes. the full spectrum of connectivity use cases where sort of 5G might be on the higher spectrum of what you really need into connectivity and then you can go down to. Yeah, co- uh, co- correct. So so Sierra had a much broader portfolio to address a larger space of the, me- of, of the of market. Of the connectivity. Yes. Uh, of, of, of enabling the connectivity, yes. Whereas Ericsson only focused on a much smaller piece piece of it, um, and 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 how that evolved and and the journey that Sierra's been on is is well, if you sell hardware, you just kind of sell it once. Somebody does an integration product, and then they they buy hardware, and that happens typically 
mostly on a project basis. So, so, so like you, you are there to compete to get your module into whatever they're building, and yes. then you're going to build, and then you're going to sell that. You know, you're going to produce and supply that module as long as that module and that life cycle of that product lives. Is that fair? Uh, well, in general, yes, but I mean, we we don't make custom modules. It's generic modules, so there's several customers. There'll okay. be many customers, but. It, it, but you're it, trying to get them to buy this particular module in our assortment yeah. in order to solve the connectivity for this piece of hardware, you know, hardware yeah, or yeah. something like this. Yeah, cor- correct. And, and uh, well, once you've done the sale, I mean, then, then that's kind of finished with your relationship. We're, or we're, a supply chain relationship going on. Yeah, uh, maybe. Or they just buy in one shot. And then, you know, maybe in five years they'll come back. We're going to make a new product, an upgraded one. and and you know you don't have so much of an up uh, of a relationship there in between so it goes kind of quiet or you just have a supply relationship as you say mm-hmm. so w- what sierra has done is is if you look at connectivity what what you need you know you 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 need the hardware to be enable that but then you know the magic is the sim card the service right uh, but if you look at traditional carriers around the world um, they cater, who do they cater for? They cater for consumers. They cater for uh, uh, mobile phones. That's what their business is centered around, right? So, but if you're connecting a machine, you have a totally different point of view What what is important. I mean, typically you don't need speech. That's unimportant. But what you do need, want is kind of reliability, what happens if the network goes down? I still need my machine to be able to communicate. So how, how do I do that? So it's more important. I, I want some sort of failover between networks and that. I mean, if, if you have a SIM from your provider here is a Telier or a Telenor, if that goes dead, if, if their network goes down, your phone is dead. But if you have a piece of machine, that might not be an option, right? You want it to fail over to whoever there's a connection to. So. The, so Sierra looked at it and said, there's an opportunity here that in, in this space, there's, there's a need for a different type of connectivity, a connectivity for things. And even a different one. type of carrier or operator type contract. Yes, uh, because the biz- business model is different. You know, you know I, I mean, uh, uh, a traditional carrier, what, what you send, you know, you, you've got this bundle, it's so... Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, now, so, you, you know, the, the, con- the contract says, you know, you buy a bundle and, and that's it. But you, that, that's not maybe how um, the machine, uh, you, you want to do the business. You might want to buy the data for the whole life cycle of it uh, up front. You might, uh, there, there are a number of different ways when you connect things how you would like it to be rather than um, uh, what we're used to it as, 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 a, as a consumer with a phone. Thanks. Um, so, 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 so Sierra did some acquisitions, what we call MVNOs, which are mobile virtual operators. So what that means is that they, they, they can, uh, they don't have their own radio network, but they have their own core network and uh, can issue SIMs and so forth. So, they have contracts and deals in place with the traditional carriers to use their 
uh, front end, the radio network, but in the back end, they, they take care of the data in their own network. So Sierra has done a number of those acquisitions and become a, a global mobile virtual network operator for IoT. All right. So now we're moving into like, you know, what is product even? So, uh, I mean, like, so clearly we're going to get back to IoT and, and mm-hmm. all that, but, but I think, you know, as, as, a, as a theme in between here, it's a little bit like uh, there, is a, there is a shift now of, you know, the, the um, physical product and even the physical component as a product that you've been experiencing to basically now, well, we need to be an operator, we want recurring services, things like that. So, but, but before we go do, you know, let, let's start with the basics. What, what is a good product or how do we look at good products? What's your experiences thinking about product and how has that evolved? Yeah, so, I mean, th- this is, again, you know, be, being passionate about products and, and, and that it's, you know, f- fit for purpose because I think we, we, we tend to, you know, uh, build things that are good at many things but not very uh very good at something specific so you end up you know always have to compromise so you can't be everything for everybody with 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 a product and i've always you know the uh, something that i think the school at ericsson and with with product management and and uh, that i learned a a lot of good lessons there and and uh, what what what's important to have is is the product view what what should we be doing you know what should we say yes to? What should we say no to? Um, managing cost. I mean, because you, you get carried away, uh, especially when you're young and it's not your money. And th- this is also tying back to the Silicon Valley uh, view that, you know, you you have to have an idea where you're going and you have to say no to other, th- other things in order to be successful and, 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 and to get the product right and get it out. And I think th- this... This understanding of what is your core value proposition or what is it that you're trying to achieve? I, I think moving into the data and AI space, you know, like sometimes it can feel, this is my personal view, that uh, the hype or the tech almost interferes with, you know, wh- what are we trying to build here? Uh, you know, we need to have big data, or we need to have IoT, we need to have 5G. Actually, what's the use case and what's the products going to do? I mean, like, and, and now we're using a broader term, like it could be a service, of course, mm-hmm. like this. But but having these product thinking in terms of what's what is it? What's the purpose of what the use case that you're trying to solve? Right? You know, I, I resonate a lot with that. Yes, and I and I think too many people just go, you know, it's 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 like the internet was new. You, I have to be on the internet, you know. But why? What is it that you want to do? I don't know, but I have to be there. It's like I need 5G. Why do you need 5G? I don't know. It's new and I need to be future proof. And it's like, but, you know, you have, you have to boil down to use cases, I think, is, 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 a, is a very good way of looking at products and services. It's what, what are we trying to achieve here, you know, and, 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 and try to set boundaries of, of what we're doing and not, you know, it's like, hey, let's build a module that does everything, you know, it, let's, let's make it do you know, all radio technologies, but then it, you know, it won't do any of them really well. And, you know, 
who, who you're addressing. So, so I mean, this. But I think this is a lesson really, truly, strongly learned. If you work in a company like Ericsson, who is maybe some of the best in the world around product lifecycle management, they, they are really good at this. Yes. And they have a really strong process for trying to understand even how new releases should have different features, you know, like a, a new radio base station we, yes. we talked about in 4G, mm-hmm. I remember. Mm-hmm. And used to prioritize where to, where to take that, you know, the next release. And, and I think. The software companies as well, they figure this out. Uh, but I think this fundamental product thinking truly applies to a lot of stuff we are trying to do now in, in society. If I'm in the public sector trying to fix my, you know, my, you know, uh, some administrative processes, or if I'm in um, at Scania or, you know, I'm trying to fix some workflows or something like that, to have that very concrete idea of what you're trying to fix I don't know, and, and not get, and that's, and really nail that down. I, uh, to me, that, that is, that is a lot to be learned from the, you know, the, the product companies that you really need to be good at this, even when we do data and AI and, 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 and these kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right, Henrik, because uh, you so easily get lost. And I think public sector is, is especially lost because again, you know, yeah. It's somebody else's money you spend, so you can yeah. go and do do whatever, and you go and do things broadly, and 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 things never come about. And I think Ericsson Ericsson had a large project. I I I don't know if it was late eighties or beginning of nineties or whatever, where they they tried the you know we're going to do the one the final solution of a <laughs> of a switch, and they spent years and millions, and it never amounted to anything. And I think after that, I think that's how Ericsson learned, okay, we, you know, we need to focus on products and what they do and, and have a proper education program around people who are responsible for our products and, you know, learn to prioritize and focus on the product and how we build products. So, so that, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a venture cap model where, you know, you, you work out the numbers and you know what are you going to build and you know what yeah well like let's 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 talk about a, a, a common uh, story we have uh, at, at Ericsson yeah. where i was a consultant and and uh, you actually been to a student to one of my classes yes which, which is funny right yeah that's and and it's quite interesting i, I couldn't teach you anything in one way mm-hmm. but but what i what really impressed me with Ericsson and i think this has tells you something about how to go about this is that um uh, well, you tell the story, but it, it, it was this fundamental understanding. How do we put an industrialized understanding for product lifecycle management in place at Ericsson? And how do we get all the different parts of the whole big machinery of Ericsson to understand their part and their story and what and their contribution as a, as a, as a, as a global team, as a, you know, supply, pricing, R&D, how they all fit into this puzzle to create great products. So um, tell that story. I think, I think that's a lot to learn around. If you want to industrialize anything, you, you kind of need to do something like that to set the standards of a company. Yeah. And I, and, and I think the governance around it also, like w- with, with very clear milestones and, and, and steering groups that, that, that is venture cap based that you look at the numbers and say, you know, uh, so, so you, it's a very good model, and I think Ericsson has mastered that very very yeah, I mean, well. Like, and, and I and I, I I I've been me as a consultant working with you 
has taught me that, and I've been using that ever since. And now we talk about lean startup. Eric Rice is the grandfather of the lean startup movement and all that. But Ericsson had that perfected, you know, way before, because I, I have the proof, because I, I made the curricula around this. And it wasn't me who made it, but the, the whole idea what we did was that we took um, Ericsson's best of the best. Like, I, I remember it vividly. We, we, I, had, I had a sponsor in Eric Bertels, mm. if, you know, if you remember him. He was, uh, he was heading up the product lifecycle management process. Yes. So his job was basically, how do, I get, how do we get Ericsson to work as a machinery in a lean startup venture capital away? So what, what they did brilliantly was to understand the fundamental phases of, a, of venture capitalist. What do you do in the idea phase? What do you do in you know, stage one capital? And then basically understood how do we weed out good and bad things to we basically decide, clarify what we need to do and then build it. And, and, and the whole idea is fits really well with the new concept of lean startup. And we say, oh, we need to fail fast. Because the yes. whole idea with the, with the, the Ericsson model that we worked on, and this is way before this is in any, you know, this was not in any papers. This was not in any books. But with the with the venture capitalist view on this, it meant we we focused the whole of Ericsson to to weed out with the least amount of effort the bad ideas. So basically, you don't go into real heavy stuff until you know what you're doing. Yeah, super brilliant. Yeah, cor cor correct. Um, but I think uh, uh, I mean Ericsson be, being a, a big company. I mean. It, it 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 it's still it's impressive that they do that, but but it I mean it's hard because it's such a big organization. There's so many parts of a huge company that needs to fit into that 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 model. Uh, the one thing I can say in hindsight that that could have uh, been better, yeah, could have been better is is that because. Uh, all my projects. So I've been shut down three times at at Ericsson with things I've done. So so I so. So starting with the with the Silicon Valley experience and and that that acquisition, I mean, eventually that that went away, that got shut down, and yeah. then and then uh, the modules also got sh shut down. So and I've, I've worked on other strategic, um, like strategic direction goes left. Yeah, yeah, or or you you could argue that you know. Uh, Everything starts small, you know. You know, th things things don't happen over overnight. You know, all companies started off small. No, no company started, you know, with a dominant market position or owning the market or every. It's, it started in small steps, and and I think that one of the things that I have a hard time with is that you need some perseverance and a longer term thinking. That you know, it's it's not going to take off, you know. The first, second, third, or fourth quarter. We're talking years here instead. That you have to have a bit of a longer horizon uh, until things happen. That doesn't necessarily say that you're going to throw lots of money and, and spend things forever. Uh, which you know, with a venture capital model, you won't. But you know, we have to get away from more of this short-sightedness. And I think that is extra challenging within a big company because if something doesn't fly there we're off to the next thing we'll try something else and that, and that makes it hard starting starting new things within a company i think it's it's easier that's why startups can come along and be successful and grow into huge companies because it's easier there but 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 here let, let's finish the product and what is a good product and and, yes. and, and this first because now we, and then we can after that, we went into the theme around 
you know, KPIs, budgeting, quarterly time steering, how does that really work in terms of innovation and product? But but to summarize, I mean, like a couple of things here, which is sort of a takeaways also for the data and AI space. An industrial industrialized approach. We, we are not talking now that, you know, it, it, it's more about the mindset and, and how we are putting frameworks in place for the whole company organization to know their part. And I think that way of Ericsson, Ericsson did is completely applicable to data and AI. When you have a data engineer, you have a data scientist, you have a, a service designer, and, and these guys need to work in unison in order to go from idea to production, right? Yeah. So I think the way the main takeaway of, of some of the, you know, what is making Ericsson succeed is this way, this understanding for how to industrialize things. And basically, uh, if, 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 we, if we now concretely talk to the people who hasn't worked with Ericsson, what does that really mean? Well, it means that you don't go in generic trainings. It means Ericsson takes the best of the best concepts and then th figures out what's the Ericsson way we're doing this. And then basically when we talk about the process or product lifecycle management or supply or pricing, we are taking it to world-class the way Ericsson does it. And I, I, I'm super impressed with that whole stamina to then say like, okay, all product owners and product managers in Ericsson, they kind of need to have, you know, they, they are free to do whatever they want, but they kind of need to know how the machinery works. Yes. And they, and they get taught how the machinery works. And who does that? No one does this. No, it's and it's multidisciplinary, as you say. So everybody has to fit into this model, and and you know it has a, a set of rules that you have to go. But the idea could be anything. So the, the whole to 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 unleash innovation that fastly scales to to product innovation and scales globally is like we have this framework, we have this machinery. It works like this. And I teach you now the machinery, so when you get your job and you, you can go crazy, but know how the machinery works and you will succeed. So I think Ericsson mastered this way of product thinking uh, in some ways. And, and that's, I, I think this is part of their success. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they keep churning out yeah. new products and services that are, are top-notch in, in their industry, so, so for sure. Uh, but I think... Uh, uh, when they get out of their comfort zone doing something that they may be treated, that, that becomes harder. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, so the problem, okay, so what's the downside of the way of working? So the way of working, the, you know, to, the frameworks, they're really geared to a certain type of core positioning. Yes. Right? What Ericsson has always been good at, working towards the operators. Yes. So all of a sudden when you move innovation full on, away from your sort of core domain expertise, yes. not as sharp, maybe. No, uh, oh, it's uh, tricky to make it fit. Yeah, I think it's more of, of a fit and, and, uh, and that people think that they're outside their comfort zone. Uh, and, 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 and also based on strategic direction, right or wrong. I mean, you know, somebody has to run the company and, and decide where, where are we going. And if it doesn't, but that's also part of, part of, uh, just like a product, we have to know what we say yes to and what we say yeah. no to. And uh, you know, no company has unlimited resources. So if 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 it doesn't fit where we're going, then maybe it's more right to say no. And 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 the same is whatever service or the thing that you are 
are a conjuring up, you, you, you should, you know, fit for purpose is something that you should do. Does it solve the problem that, exactly. you, that, that, that you're looking for? I mean, it doesn't, you, you don't need 10, if you only need one lever, just make one lever, not 10. So, and this also becomes this whole idea, lead with the business problem, the use case, and don't lead with tech. Because when yes. you lead with tech, someone who's going to sell you tech or when you're going to install the tech, the tech guys will talk about, oh, but you, we could have this scenario and we could have this scenario and we could have this scenario. And you, you, you end up building this huge gizmo Yes, when you really only needed one lever. And, and I think, th- and, and the cost, everything, and this time, so sc- Stay, stay the course, uh, keep focused, understand what you're trying to build, I guess. Yes. That sums up that product. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, AI is supposed to help you, right? You know, you, you want an answer to a specific problem. You don't, you know, you don't want to know 10 other things, you know, so, you know, don't, don't lose sight of what you're trying to solve. Yeah. But then you're usually, you know, I, I guess you're more than 80% right then. Yeah, and and, and and the point is then, for s- smaller amount of money and effort, you get something that works that does the purpose, and then maybe you can grow from that. You can exp- you can grow the features from that. Yes. Um, okay, but let's 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 finish the product theme. Um, but I want to do this now, if it's okay. Uh, you know, we we need to talk about the theme around you know uh, innovation versus you know the quarterly budgeting s- setups and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But before we move there, I think there's some more, you know, going into Sierra, I think before we talk about these types of technologies and services that also comes with IoT, mm-hmm. let's really start breaking down, uh, you know, the introduction to IoT. You know, how would we define it? What is the different things? So because I think there is a lot of problems when we are using new words and we hype them up and IoT becomes the new hyped word. But I mean, let's break this down and and get a little bit nerdy a little bit. What is to you IoT and and, and what is the fundamental components of it and stuff like this? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, IoT, I mean, it used to be called, before that it was called machine to machine. So M to M, it was machines talking to machines. So it's... Uh, Internet of Things is just you know I see it as uh, machine to machine was you know in its infancy we're we're talking about maybe only a few things that we're talking to a few things but but when you talk about IoT you're really connect talking about the you know connect everything everything should be talking everything everything exactly so. And and IoT is not one thing, you know. It's 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 a bunch of technologies, and there's 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 many ways to do it. So I mean, that that's why you can't say it it is this or it's that. And again, bringing back to the fit for purpose. I mean, there's there's proprietary technologies that you can put up your own networks to do. You know, there's LoRa, Sigfox. You can use traditional. Things like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, there are others, short-range technologies like Zigbee. There, there's a whole bunch of things that fall under the IoT umbrella. And uh, but let, but let's make it let's break it down because I don't think people talk enough about the fundamental journey of something going from here to here. Like what what are we talking about here? Let, let's 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 be super concrete. So I, I'm in this piece here. 
machine to machine or whatever mm. we want to connect. Mm. So, w- you know, concrete down on bits and bytes level, mm. w- what do you need to do to get the sensor to work? What, what's the, what's, you know, let's start here. What's, what's, what's the chip? What's the sense, you know, yeah, well, how does wireless really work? Yeah, well, how, how, how it works. Typically, you'll, you know, you'll have some gizmo or something, you know, that measures something. I mean, that's a typical, you know. All right, let's take a concrete example. Yeah. You choose a use case or scenario, right? Yeah. I mean, you measure temperature. All right, let's or, measure or, temperature. Or humidity or whatever. You have All right, a, so yeah, we have yeah. a temperature station in Arvitsjaur. And we don't want to go out to the station and read it anymore. Yeah. So what's the fundamental technical journey we're talking about? Yeah, so so to get some efficiency, I mean, if, if you have something remote, you know, and, and if it's to be read manually. So how many times a day can somebody read that manual? Well, if it's somebody local, maybe he can go there a bunch of times during the day. But, you know, it depends. But maybe you want to have uh, measurements of the temperature every hour. Okay, so then you have to send somebody there every hour, even during the night. Is that feasible? You know, and the more remote it gets, it gets even, you know, less feasible and also more costly, of course, because somebody has you have you have to employ somebody that that gets out there. So we'll, we'll look at a remote weather station. So uh, ideally, uh, you know. Uh, you, you could have, you know, short range sort of uh, technologies that would then you would hook up to the to to the sensor. And, and t- what do we mean a, in short range technologies? Well, you, you know, you, you could have a local Wi-Fi network, but seeing if, if you're out remote, that's probably not plausible. Uh, more likely you would have a cellular network because cellular coverage, it's pretty good, but maybe not all encompassing. Uh, worst case, if it's too remote, maybe you're talking satellite, but you, you'd need some sort of component that you stick to to your sensor that can communicate with the other world. So it starts with the sensor at the actual thing doing mm. the reading of something. Yes. And this could be reading of temperature, it could be reading it, of anything. Anything. Yeah. anything. And, and basically what the data point that you want to collect, that will tell you what type of sensor you need. Yes. And then from here, Okay, the next step is to send it somewhere. Yes, and and you need to have a network which you send it over. And whether that what be you can build your own little network, or you could use something that exists, or you know satellite, whatever. Uh, and, and what I seeing that I come from what, when I talk about wireless, I talk about cellular wireless, the the standards that. And what is what 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 is the definition of cellular? Cell, in in my my world, the cellular standards. It's it's the it's the broad standards that that we know as two G, three G, four G, and five G. It's it's the three uh, GPP uh, uh, partnership project that is defines the cellular standards that move forward. There are other. So this is a protocol that been that's been standardized within the actual telco. I guess industry, yeah, and it, it, it's become. I mean, it, it wasn't all encompassing from beginning. I, I remember the CDMAs, and it, when when yes. this was a mess, right? Yeah. So, so if if you go back, there were you know, and 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 the seller standards have you know they've they've gone through. There's a first generation, and the G stands for generation. By the way, if you yeah. If, yeah. yeah. So there were analog, and then the second generation that's known as two G was digital. Uh, in terms of transmission, um, but there were different standards, so, uh, so that were that were diverse. But the the standards body has 
improved? Well, people have come together and understood that in order for things to scale, uh, to to um, you know to to get the benefit of 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 a massive scale, which, which mobile phones are, you know, everybody has to be on the same standard. Because if if I you know even though I'm maybe fifty million here compared to seven billion, that's not a whole lot. If if you're connecting everything, you want everybody to be more or less. So so w- when when was the real shift? I mean, like in in three G, we had several versions, right? Yes, we had uh, what is it? CDMA, NTMMO in Japan. Uh, yes, oh, and we had uh, LTE in in no, in no, not even LTE. Yet. No, no. So L- LTE was more or less. Then all everybody came on the, on the whole LTE is yeah. when everybody came on on board. On, on the on the same. Yeah, before there were different trains. If okay, so so LTE is really four G train. Yes, so that that was the first tr- the first true, true. all encompassing yes. cellular protocol. Yes, so ev- everybody on the same train and in, in the whole world. And and if you can now compare LTE that type, you know, what, what are we talking about bandwidth here, and and how can you know now we're talking five G soon. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that later. But four G is here, but of course there are other protocols which are very much more low bandwidth, more mm-hmm. like cheaper, or you know, there are different protocols here fit. For, you know, you always say to me, uh, horses for courses or fit mm-hmm. for purpose. Yes, and and you have to you have to recognize. So I mean. The mobile phone industry has been on a track, you know, higher bandwidth. What is it that people in a phone consume? You know, yeah. it, it, you have to understand that, of course, it, it, that is also fit for purpose. People watch videos and, and now and, we stream massive. And, 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 and the networks have been optimized and, and, and the industry optimized for that. So there's been a bunch of protocols within the seller standards that have shown up that are for low bandwidth applications. So there was kind of a split uh, where they came out. So, and which one is the, are the major protocols in low bandwidth? Uh, there, there are two. Uh, there's one called uh, NBIOT, which stands for narrowband IoT, which is very, very narrow. Narrow. We're talking kilobits. Then uh, kilobits is like small, small packages. Yeah, so, so that's thousands of bits or kilobits. So, uh, think of it. You know, comparable to the speeds of of uh, of. Uh, 2G phone. I mean, yeah, old school. But but if it's needed, if yeah, not, I mean, else. if if you just you know doing if you're doing temperature measurements, you know, it's, you don't need more. You, you don't. No, you don't need a whole lot. And and there are certain traits with MBIoT and that, that we, we can go into that uh, in, in just a bit. And then you have another technology called LT Cat M one. Uh, and then that one has a bit more bandwidth. It's starting. It's uh, it's uh, hundreds of kilobits. You would say it's three, four hundred kilobits, maybe. Whereas uh, MBIoT is maybe fifty to hundred. In, in so what of. we're talking about here is to really understand your use case in terms of what's the size of the package that you're trying to send and yes. to what frequency stuff like this. Yeah. So so it's a fit for purpose and and the and another fit for purpose is is the thing going to move about. You, mm-hmm. Is your asset going to move or you have an asset in a mine like 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 a caterpillar in a mine or, yeah. or do you have something stationary? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Or or is it a logistic truck? Is it a truck that moves around the whole country then it needs mobility. Um, mm. because here's also a difference between MBIoT and LT CAD M where CAD M 
supports mobility where MBIOT doesn't, but, but they have different, they have different use cases. So you, this is what you need to go. You can't just say, oh, this is better than that and that, but it depends what you're doing, what, what, what the purpose you're so, doing. So back to the product topic. So what is your uh, IoT use case really all yes. about? Are you, are you Maersk driving shipping containers? Are you Scania working with trucks? Are, are you Tesla? Yeah, exactly. What what is it that you want to do? I mean, you know, are you in a manufacturing plant? Or do you want to track where all your tools are? They they probably don't move a lot. You know, they're, they're more or less a fixed asset. So, but you know, want to know where they are uh, for 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 different reasons. So, I mean, this is where you. Are. So, those are two of those cellular technologies that have emerged. You know, in the past five years that are specifically i would say for for the more for most of the um uh for 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 most of the iot space and and they're known as lpwa so low power wide area uh, technologies and 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 if you define you know what am i looking at when i'm looking at one of those gizmos what, what is it that i'm actually looking at is is like is like a like a a, a card or how does it look like you know they're these types of things are pretty small. Think of them, uh, you know, as, as, you know, maximum like 20 by 20 millimeters and, you know, size. They're small, looks like a system on a chip. They're, they're totally encased. Uh, you put it on the motherboard somewhere. Yeah, you, you, you attach it to, to, to a PCB uh, where you have your sensors and where oh. you have a microcontroller or a CPU that, that, and and some memory and you have an operating system and you you write some code uh so that you the sensor does the measurement you take that and then you take that and package it and you use that connectivity of that of of the um uh, of of whatever technology you have to send that up in into the network and 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 where does it go okay so now we have sort of taken you know I'm trying to figure it out. So we've taken the stuff, the breeding, we, we, mm. we have the little gizmo mm. that is now cellular maybe, mm. and we have sent it somewhere, you know, mm. what does, what, you know, so we now we're sending, what are we sending? Data, and we are now thinking about different, from, from small kilobits to, to larger packages. Yes. And we are sending it on the network. So yes. typically, the, uh, are we now connecting then to what you highlighted, Sierra has there, you know, uh, if you take the Sierra example, like if it's we, a machine to machine. Yeah, so in our example, you would still, so if that weather station that's out in the middle of nowhere, so it's probably, it would be going over a, a carrier network to to the radio base station. Oh, so the radio base station part is the carrier part? Yeah, it's still the carrier part, we don't have that. Uh, but then we would have an interconnect in, in the core network where that data would be routed to our, our, our network. And we would take care of that. Yeah. So what, what it also means, so it means that in the gizmo, in, in the weather station, we would have our SIM card and what, what that, what that also would enable what is that say the weather station is located at that, at that point, you can see two carriers. There's carrier A and carrier B has coverage there. I mean, that's, that's pretty important. So our, our, our SIM would attach to either or uh, of those networks because we have a deal with carrier A and carrier B. So because the weather, you know, the person that's taking the weather data 
wants to be sure that regardless what's happened, I always want my data, right? But if, if he had a SIM card from carrier A and his network goes down, he wouldn't be on carrier B when that happens. He'd have to wait until carrier A has repaired his network. Yeah, well, so, so the, the business case when we go B2B is completely different, right? Because yes. it's like one of those things that cannot break down. It cannot lose. So the carrier is actually now replaceable, you know. Yes. So th- let's do them, but let's have four, th- three or four different options. Yes. But the data still needs to go and needs to go somewhere. Yeah, So 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 what our SIM does is Based on customer preferences, it will select either carrier A or B, depending, you know, be it quality of service metrics. So the the carrier with the strongest signal is our first preference, then we'd use that. If it's the cheapest carrier that you have a signal with, then it would be that, for instance. So so there there are different, you know, metrics. But it would then be routed through our network, and then it would be hooked up until the data would be delivered then to a cloud of the person that's collecting the data at the weather station of his preference. So if it's uh, IBM, if it's AWS or... So basically now we have sort of taken the path from the sensor... Through the network. Through the network where we have, you know, failover on carrier Mm -hmm. level. Yeah. And then basically routed in from your part... Mm -hmm into whatever is the central cloud or whatever they need. Yes. So, so it's the repository where, where, you know, where they at, collect at the, the customer's data. site or yeah. uh, now we're at the customer. Yeah. Now the customer has that. And, and what we do is also, we do that in a secure manner because you, you, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, weather data is maybe not very sensitive, but, but in a lot of cases there might be sensitive data. And then mm-hmm. you have to make sure that, you know, from A to B that you're covered in terms of security because that, uh, you don't want somebody listening to that data and stealing that data from you somewhere in the middle because that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, data is our new currency. So, I mean, it is valuable. So basically the the, the, the executive summary of the introduction to IoT and mm-hmm. wireless is like, number one, we have different types of uh, horses for courses, fit for purpose bandwidth, mm-hmm. depending on what type of case you have. And it has also to do not only with the size, but also if it moves around and stuff like that. Mm. And then basically we have the understanding of we have the we have we have something we ha- we need to have a reader sensor, and then we need to send it. And then the way we send it, if we want to do it B two B machine to machine, you know, a, a good thinking is to you know how do I have failovers on several carriers but still getting my data all the time? Yes. Uh, that's the Correct. fundamental scenario that you you kind of need to think about when you do mission critical uh, IOT. Is that a fair sort of boom? Yeah, that, that's a high level set, but then you can you can make things even more complicated. Of say course you can. So so I mean say if you if 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 I'm a regional or I'm a, a global player in weather stations, right? Yeah. So I need to send these in in you know say 57 countries. I'm going to put yeah. Okay. So if 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 I don't have you know in in those 57 countries, there's 57 different carriers multiplied by how many yeah, they yeah. are. So it's so not only failure, fa- failover of two, it's two times 57. Yeah, well, well, I wasn't thinking about the failure, but h- how many negotiations do you have to get into in order to deploy that as a customer? If, if you now have an IoT partner like Sierra, we're not the only ones, but I mean... You have to think in those terms so, because so this is different. So, so you're flip the, the whole the whole game is shifting when you go global and B two B. Yes. Uh, yeah. 
Okay. Get I mean, it. as a consumer, I mean, yeah. a good consumer lives in one country, but if you build a product or a service, you don't know where it goes and if it needs connectivity. And if you have, a, you know, if you have long haulage, you know, or, or you know, you travel, or you have a Maersk, like yeah. you, you travel across several carriers across the globe yeah. as the container moves yeah. or as yeah. the truck moves. Yes. And, and you have to have deals with everybody. I mean, you can go to carrier A and they'll have roaming deals. Say, say, you know, even if you're in 57 countries. They can have roaming deals. They have roaming deals because that's basically what it is. I mean, Sierra has, I don't know, 800 roaming deals. So, I mean, that's why, you know, we can get pretty, mu- pretty much on any network. So, I mean, that, that that's the value to our customers. Uh, so, if you're building your product, your gizmo, you want to, you have a sensor, you want to get the data out, you want some sort of security in terms of, it has to work all the time so that you have a failover. You want it to be delivered securely so that it, so it's there. But you also have the case where you have uh, deployments in many countries. You know, you don't want to go and negotiate with a number of parties. You want to go to one. Okay, I can get my hardware. I can get my connectivity there, and it will deliver my data. And I only have to speak to one person. But but I think I think a little bit like what I'm hearing is like when you're going into the real IoT space, like mm-hmm. when you want to have data points on sensors like this, uh, you're opening up a new can of worms. Of that's what I'm hearing. Like how will I mean? Like you you you're finally done. You you got your data center sorted. You you think you're pretty cool, right? You're, you've done it, and you got your VAN connections and your LAN connections for your offices. I, I know my shit. <laughs> I know my connections. And here we go, sensors moving around in the world, potentially, right? And then it's, it opens up a completely new package of things to consider in order to do this smartly and cost-effectively. Yes. I, I, I mean, I mean the, the, the world is big. And, you know, it, I mean, this is what we forget where, where, where data-centric customers uh, or, or companies like, you know, Facebook, Googles of the world, you know, they exist everywhere. And, you, ju- you know, when you log on, it's just there. But when you come into practicality in the IoT space and, and when you use cellular networks, it's like, oh boy, if I'm going to be in all these places and, uh, you know, it's not one person I have to deal with. It's no, masses and, 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 and this isn't this another way? Like we, we, we look up to these tech giants and some of them are very consumer oriented and, and, and the consumer dimensions of, a, of an analytical model or this consumer complexity of dealing with one phone or their sort of local smartphones is nothing compared to when we go into the B2B industrialized. I mean, like the, the real revolution is machine to machine and now it really explodes in all the data we need to capture. But there's a huge different piece of, you know, how does the analytical, you know, everything is way more complex as systems. Yes. That's, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, it, it's, more comp- it's more complex because uh, businesses are located in more locations. And, and then, of course, you have the security aspect. I mean, in the consumer, it's really privacy concerns, really. So it's more up to you as an individual. But, I mean... Uh, the data that that a company has that that's its lifeblood i mean i mean in 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 now and in the future i mean data is is the currency so i mean you you don't want it in somebody else's hands so it has to be secure uh, you have to protect that asset so i mean 
the, it, it becomes very much uh, more complicated. And and then who do you want to rely on? And how many parties do you have to engage with in order to make you can your, make the chain work, right? Yeah. Uh, so so it, it 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 is a complex world, and 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 for for you that deal. I mean, higher up in the stack, when you, when you have the data and 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 model it and 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 do the smarts on it with with AI and machine learning models or whatever. But I mean, the the gathering the data is what what I refer to as as plumbing, or in this case, smart plumbing. It, it's something that has to be there. It has to work well. It's it's a prerequisite. But let's come back to that. But but okay. But here we here we have now the introduction to wireless and IoT one hundred one, and let's now go into two hundred one and talk about five G. So let's now, okay, so all of what we have learned now in the first 15 minutes, mm-hmm. what is 5G and what's the difference? So what does it add to what we have now said? Yeah, so so 5G, 5G is, is, is a lot of things, but, but what, it, what, I, what I would describe it for is it's more of an umbrella, right? So it encompasses, it encompasses um, these low bandwidth technologies and the ultra high bandwidth. Uh, oh, they're both in there. They're both in the same standard, and 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 they're also five uh, G is is thought a little bit more around use cases, so that you can see it encompasses things like uh, uh, has a has has a whole own section for like vehicle V two X, which is vehicle to anything communication. So, so you have so you have five G as your umbrella yes. sound that we know, but if you if if you're knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. You can go. You can peel the onion and go down to five G automotive. Yes. So you have five G automotive. You have five G private networks. So you have private networks so that enterprises can build their own small private cellular networks. You have you have the mobile broadband, which is the consumer with the mobile phones and so forth. That still exists. Uh, and then you have the low low speed technologies. I talked about MBIoT. And uh, LT CADM that that will evolve uh, with certain enhancements. They're, they're pretty done, but I don't get it. So you have five G on the top here. Yeah. What does it mean when I go into five G automotive? What's what? What has happened? Uh, have they figured out even more detailed standards, or what is that all about? Yeah. So there are a set of standards to cater for those specific use cases. So that's okay. what it's really done. So those things aren't needed for a mobile phone, for instance, or they're not needed for if you're connecting your sensor or so something. horses for courses in 5G yes so 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 that that's why you can't that that's why the question you should ask is okay uh, i want 5G oh, the question is still what do you want to do exactly okay so and then you can start looking at okay so do i need high speed do i need ultra high reliability do i need something automotive that talks uh, talks in the car and we between cars and to smart cities to regulate traffic flow, or do I need, uh, yeah, from the use cases that are defined within within the 5G standards. But, okay, but um, another topic, um, uh, I think you told me, I think it's from you, I I got this knowledge anyway. I mean, like you always say something, that there's a major difference between 4G and 5G is also in, in about the upstream and downstream and stuff like this. So there are, there, there are some fundamental things that happen when we went to 5G. What are those? Yeah, so when it, when it comes to, I mean, data and, 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 and the different Gs, I mean, the, 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 the speeds have generally gone up. But, but if, you, if you think about 
the phone that you have today and the service I have today, you know, it's 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 asymmetric because it's optimized for consuming. It's for down streaming downstream. coming to you to yes. watch something as yes. an example. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a typical B to C scenario. I mean, or, and anybody who wants to consume, download something from 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 up from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. But if you if you start moving into use, using uh, uh, cellular technology in a business to business environment, you, you're looking at things that might want to send a lot of data the other direction, and the networks haven't really been catering to that so that is a bottleneck with 5g that is going away so it's becoming more asymmetric and you're increasing the speed in the uplink so it's not only that it's more speed it's also the symmetry of load up down upstream and downstream yeah yeah and it's and it's also the amount of because and how big is the difference in speed i don't know what's the difference in speed we're talking about or capacity i don't know how you want what's the kpis here yeah I yeah so you're 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 basically talking that in 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 terms of um uh when you when you talk about the uplink you're 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 talking 5x and more depending on five five times five times and more yes so but it 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 depends again it depends on the spectrum used because 5g again is is in order to achieve speeds, you need spectrum. So, uh, and what is spectrum? Spectrum is bandwidth. Uh, how should we explain this? But I mean, uh, I, uh, radio is a, a bunch of waves in, in the air, right? And, yep. and you can only fill it so much before it gets congested, right? And in order to carry more data, you have to use new frequency bands. So if you if you take a standard radio, I mean, an FM radio, it, it transmits in megahertz, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if all your radio channels are from, you have to move somewhere else. Okay. And then, then you move into... You, mean you move to a different spectrum. So I'm in uh, the 800 to 900. Yeah. But Is now that what you, you mean? Now you move into the gigahertz. Okay. Because we're... And, and the higher up you move in the, spe- in the spectrum, there, there's more spectrum available. But when, at the same time... The higher up in the spectrum you go, the the uh, you get more capacity, but the the distance it travels shortens. So the, this so higher up in the spectrum means it's good signal, but not so far. No, no. Well, the the signal quality it doesn't depend on that, but it it depends how far it can go. So you have a lot of capacity. But it doesn't go very far. And what what is not very far? Are we hundreds uh, or kilometers or? Th- this is what it depends. But but I mean, if you take a ba- basic you know low frequency radio, you can you know transmit around the world. You know pe- people just put up a mast and you, you can do that. Uh, if 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 you talk standard cellular sites, if we go back to Australia, that had some of the biggest cellular sites in the world. I don't know if they still have. We th- we talked about two hundred kilometers for one cell site for one base station. Yeah. Now, if we talk ultra high bandwidth, where where uh, the frequency are 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 high and you get a lot of capacity, you're talking maybe hundreds of meters that you. Reach. So now we're talking about the density of base stations that is required in yes. order to fill the cellular n- network with coverage. Yes. So so there are two sets of spectrums in five G. You talk about sub six, which is sub six gigahertz so anything below six gigahertz is known as sub six 
and then you have that that's above, you call that millimeter wave. And the millimeter wave, this is super high capacity. You're talking gigabits and gigabits and gigabits. This is hardcore, you can send whatever you want, more or less. Well, today, I mean, today. S- somebody will figure out how to use that. They always do, right? They will send GPT-3 uh, over it. Yeah, so, so you know, and, and, and that spectrum in the millimeter space, it, it's symmetric. You can send just as much, you can assign it, you know, if you want to go all up, you go all up. If you want to go all down, you can go all down. Whereas there's still some asymmetry in the sub six. So the sub six is not completely sy- symmetric. No. Okay. So th- th- these are trade-offs, I guess, in order to make yes. it work. Yeah. And, 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 and the main use case of, of course, I mean, in, in a macro network, in a, in a, in a network that we typically have, I mean, it's, it's the driving force is consumers and smartphones. Yeah. And, and so it's optimized for that, it, but the, it, it's become better in the uplink and, around and, five times. And where do you think most B2B companies will live the next 10 years? Well, you know, what use cases are really, in, uh, below six and stuff. And, you know, is most of us below six or whatever you call it? Um, initially, yes, because it, it, it becomes very challenging. The, 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 the higher spectrum becomes challenging because the radio waves are so narrow. So, yeah. so they won't go through glass or walls or something. So, so they, they also, this part, the how, what they actually, they need to really have good, um, what do you mean? Um, you, you they need, don't go through stuff as well. No, because, because it, it, it's physics, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the radio wave, you know, you, you can probably stop the wave with your hand or, or you know, <laughs> with, with your body, depending on the direction you turn and so forth. So it's, so it's, so it's very sensitive signal and where the lower signals, they penetrate the house yeah. with that. So, I mean, there, but in, in, if you look at an office environment, uh, typically, because that's also the emergence with 5G, you're going to have these private networks. So companies will put up their own small base stations at, at their site and then you, you can plan for coverage so that the machines or, or whatever that's going to use it are, are not, uh, there's nothing in the way so they, c- they can use that full spectrum. So, I mean, there, there's a number of use cases. One of the most interesting ones I've heard for millimeter wave is, is the car manufacturers because the cars are no longer, you know, a mechanical object. They're, they're a, the computer on wheels, right? Mm-hmm. There's an awful lot of software and, and, and stuff in them. So, when, when the car manufacturers have assembled, you know, I don't know, where, where at the assembly point when they're finished, they have maybe 200 cars and they have a number of systems that they want to download software to. Guess what they want? Super high capacity and super high. So if they had a private 5G network, they could flood these cars and literally within <laughs> seconds have all the software downloaded. Oh, like, so there's them. a simple use case at the end of the assembly line, but yeah. you just flood the cars and get them out, yeah. ship them so, out. So, so I mean, that, that will speed up the whole. Yeah. That use case for the assembly line is... Whereas today, maybe where they don't even have wireless, somebody goes with a thing <laughs> and, and puts in a plug into every car to download. The, I mean, it's ins- you, you can see the... I mean, this is efficiency. This is... But this is ultimately back to what is the problem you want to solve and then understand that here we yes. have a very specific flooding cars out of a uh, manufacturing line with data, right? To load them up, mm-hmm. you know, boot them up. Yeah bootstrap the car yeah. and you could do that really smart if you knew how to use 5g in this particular context and then you need to choose exactly what we're talking about here type of 5g it all connects back together of good product management yes and and again you know at the car manufacturing side you know you you might want to know where all your fire extinguishers are 
Okay. Do you need do you need gigabits of data for that? No, you probably just need a simple sensor that sends, you know, once a day, this is where I am. Because when a fire breaks out in the factory, being you want something to pop up, there this is where the fire ex- extinguishers are. That that's a low bandwidth application. And they have to work side by side. And they're there are different products that you put in and integrate and do but they have to work as a whole. But but okay, so we have now explored a little bit like uh, IoT into 5G. We we see how the different business case and we understand that 5G is now is actually you need to know you need to peel the onion at least one level mm. to understand what types of 5G you're talking about. That's how it, that's how 5G works. Now comes the really important question. You know, What's the point of all this? What what are we going to use the data for? Or what's what's your view of, of this? All right, you know you you talk about being the plumbing. Uh, let, let's mm. talk about and then smart plumbing. Let's talk about that and then. But let's move that conversation into also what does this mean in terms of what are we going to use the data for? And you know, so let's go because I think this is the topic. Right, we have these enablers now, but how does it all play out in in the data world? What is your thoughts here? Well, here, here you can see. I mean, if if you build uh, w- with five G, that it, with the speeds and and the coverage and that, you're you're starting to end up in a situation where it's it's just as reliable as as a cable, and that and that and and in terms of latency and 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 reliability, if 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 you're literally as good as a cable, then you c- you can start thinking. You can start thinking about okay, so what does that mean? Do does that mean? Uh, do I need to really send all the data to the cloud? You, you, I mean, you could put there's there's a trend of emerging what that that you probably also uh, in the AI space of, of what we call um, edge computing. So, but I mean, if you have the reliability uh, out at the edge. Why not build a small data center at the edge, because you have five G and you have those capabilities, and and do the processing closer to the application rather than have to send large amounts of data into the cloud and then the results back. Why why you you start seeing that you have other types of use cases and that you can actually do more uh, using five G because. Because of the attributes it brings to you. All right. So, 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 really make the point. We have a, we have a new theme here, and we're talking about now how does this open up what we want to use the data for, and that it really also brings a, a whole discussion on on both micro and macro level to really know understand your you know the, the whole what the data is. So, so let's let's say that now because uh, so let's see if I understand it right. So, with this way of thinking and this much more data. It also means we need to start thinking about what do we manage and actually analyze and structure at the edge versus the central piece. So let's start here. What what what's the edge use cases that you're thinking about right now? Like you're saying, there are new ways of doing it, or there are new use cases. What are those on the edge well, you see? Well, let let me give you an example that that I've thought a lot about. So I mean, if you you know cameras. V- video generates a lot of data, a lot of data, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the traditional way would be, you know, you have security cam cameras; they're connected, cable, CCTV stuff, yeah, yeah c- c- CCTV or, or, or yeah, anywhere. 
could be cable, could be wireless, doesn't really matter. But you send it to a central point and you do the crunching there. You're looking for faces or you're looking for objects in the picture and that. But what if you can move that instead? If you have thousands of cameras, you're starting to see, wow, you're going to get, if you have video stream all the time, that's a lot of data. And that's a lot of crunching to do centrally as well. Um, but do you really need to do that? Can you make small, smaller sort of at the edge that you do this distinction there that you connect fewer, uh, you know, clusters of camera at, at an edge and you, you do the, the smarts already out there or some of it so that you filter away. Say I'm in, in the, in the camera stream, in the video films, I'm, I'm looking for cats, you know, classic, you know, AI view. So it only feeds back pictures or frames where cats are so in. So the those first sorting panels. could be done even at the edge, and then That's you have a, then the, the the first filtering is done there. Yeah. And the first categorizing and sorting mm-hmm. is done at the edge, and then you and then you have a more sharp set to continue with centrally yeah. as an so, example. So, yeah, for example, so that you only get the frames or the pictures or whatever you want of the cats, and those get sent. You don't get it all, but then you get all the cats from all these cameras and then you do whatever modeling you do then on the cats but to pick out the cats you do at the edge so i mean now you're reducing data and uh, that you're sending backwards and forwards of, of uh in the network which is you know an, an efficiency because i mean somebody has to pay for that data to get sent because it's not free sending that data so i mean this is again this is a way how you can optimize um your operation by not necessarily sending what you need. Or I, I would think it'd be more uh, a practical use case is that if something happens, then you send a, a video stream, for instance, if, if, you know, a certain event that would trigger, well, then we do send it up centrally, but otherwise we just monitor and, 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 yeah, and because what I, 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 I need to relate what you're saying, saying now with one of the other guests we had here a couple of weeks back, uh, Lars Albertson, who is uh, like a guru on data ops and who really un- starts talking about the data factory and how, how do we build a structured uh, data pipelines and how do we build it in such a way that each set of what we're doing is immutable so you can basically, you can share it and you can use it for many purposes. So what you are actually highlighting here is, is the same kind of thinking, but we actually need to think carefully where that does the data pipeline start. And it actually starts by the sensor and it maybe starts with one part of the pipeline is doing something at the edge and then, then it continues more lo- uh, logically here. So, so it fits really well with the data ops, data factory, data product uh, type thinking where, where, where we truly understand what's the purpose of this data product well, the, the, f- the data product at the edge has a very clear purpose. You know, let's sort out all cats. Super simple, but it has a clear purpose and it does that. It means a, sh- a lot, you know, you have simplified a lot by thinking like that rather than doing everything at the end, you know. So I, I really wanted to connect with that. Is that the same kind of thinking? So because disk thinking has started to emerge in the central systems, right? How, how do we build data pipelines and how do we scale you know, it's um, vertical stick scaling end to end, you know, fr- from the sensor to the AI service recommendation, uh, uh, horizontal scaling, tons of pipelines that's doing different jobs, right? 
Now it gets tricky. And all of a sudden now, to think about these topics becomes quite important. And, and actually the edge open up how you view your whole pipeline. That's how I, that's what you said in my, this is, yeah, you know, I'm trying to internalize uh, what you said right now. Yeah, so, it, so it's some sort of optimization of, of, the, of the network. Of the, and, uh, and the ways and, and that you flow, the data flows. Yeah, I mean, I mean, compared to my, my 15 or 14 stop uh, Australia yeah. trip, you know, <laughs> th does it make sense to, you know, hop around like this? I mean, you know, purpose, I mean, ideally, yeah. I would go Stockholm, Timisoara, Timisoara, Melbourne, right? Yes. Right? Not, you know, all the intermediate steps. But, but I mean, a little bit the same here. Do we want to pipe everything, you know, fit for purpose? Look at what we're doing. What What is it that we're interested in centrally? What is it we're interested in locally? Uh, I mean, for some data, it might make perfect sense. Put it all central. For some data, it's not. So, I mean, th this is, this is, again... The person that's in charge of the data and, and what he wants to do with it, uh, he 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 needs to know that and and be clear on his his his, his purpose. What what does he want to do? What do you want to do with the data? And 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 that topic now is not so simple anymore because it's 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 you actually to do to answer that question perfectly well. You actually need to understand what's the end consumption, you know, what's the use case of, of some sort of, if even if it's a customer or, it's, or an internal customer. And then you have a bunch of stages here. So when you want to define what you want to use of the data for, you need to understand it the whole way through the value chain, I guess, or, or, or the, the pipeline. Do you see what I mean, right? Yeah. So you need to be quite sharp in defining what do you want to use the data for. Ah. I can ask that question for the end game, but maybe I need to then break it down into what do I need to use the data for here? What I need to use the data for here? And then basically you get to where, what do I need to do with the data at the edge, right? And so this, what do you want to use the data for becomes one of the most important questions of the future. You see what I mean? Like that fundamental simple question opens up everything like, from the business case, the use case of the customer, to actually what do we need to design for the data to flow or and, and what technologies to use. And I think this is a huge problem, right? Because the guys who have the business problem don't have the data literacy to understand what do we use, what's the, uh, you know, another way of putting it, what's the data manipulation? Or what, what's the algorithm models we need to, uh, this is, I want to use the data for a, a CNN uh, AI network. Boom, go step, you know, data scientist. I need to go back a step. What do I need to use the data for? I need to use the data in order to tr create a training data sets on cats. Go back a step. I need, I, I'm to the edge. I need to use the data to sort cats, right? Yep. It's the same fundamental question, but you need to be able to answer it through the whole yeah, chain. The, the chain, because I mean, the, you, you'll probably have, uh, you know, local, regional, and central storage, and and they and, and, and they perform different functions. And the problem with data, probably at these endpoints, is that the endpoints are aren't specific. So you probably don't have a camera looking specifically for cats. There's probably a lot of other information. So depending on what you're looking for, some is at the edge, some is somewhere else, and some is and a so, third location. So, you know, we're talking about, we're joking about, oh, we need to have some cool uh, T-shirts, right? <laughs> Good quotes, right? So we have like first principle, like the, like the, the favorite quote of uh, Elon Musk. And here we have a new quote for T-shirt. What the f 
what the f- you're going to yeah. use the data for? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, literally. what the fuck is the data all all about? Yeah, well, what, what are you going to use it for? That, I mean, you know, ask you that question four times, like uh, Lean Kite say in Toyota way. Yeah. What are you going to use the data for? Here, 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 here. That's, that's a very simple advice, by the way. Yeah, and but but I th- I think the problem is that you know it's early days, yeah. and and, and uh, I mean. Most people don't know what they want to do do with the data. They they're we're, we're we're stuck. I mean, a lot a lot of early use cases is like you know it's you know maintenance, reducing you know sending manual people out to you know monitoring and 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 remote maintenance upgrades that type of thing. But I mean, the, the, it quickly evolves that it, it's so much more right. So you, you get so much more information that to enhance your products and and and, and whatnot and. You combine data from different points together, and and that's how you build value. That's you know this. But but, but let me ask you the uh, the cynical question then. Okay, so you at Sierra and you work at the furthest left of this. What you're going to use the data what? for? Uh, on the plumbing side, yeah, you're, the you're plumbing. the smart plumbing guy. Well, smart so plumber. so I I I wonder. How many times do you have actually good conversations with the customer when you ask the customer what are you going to use the data for that goes beyond one step? You know, how many times, you know, is the customer mature? Can you can you do the conversation the whole way? Or is that the whole problem, right? That the guys that you are dealing with, they don't have a fucking clue around the domain case. No, no, I mean... I, I'm, I'm, I'm insinuating, but yeah, what's the real... you're insinuating. Deal? I mean, the, 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 you know... The data question gets asked higher up in the hierarchy, right? So, I mean, the people we typically thought there'll be some engineering department or somebody that's tasked, you know, I just... I need to connect data. That's yes. all they told me. Th- that's all they told So, <laughs> he has no idea. He just... No fucking idea. He has no idea. He's just, this thing I've got, I don't know anything about wireless, but I know, you know, it's remote. I don't want to send my guy there anymore to do these readouts or whatever. You know, it's it's not efficient. You know, I, I want to read all these things and collect all this. But what I'm going to do with that, that's not my job. That's I, not my job. And, and they, he has and no idea. It's, I mean, like, so it's sad, but it's, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's traditional, right? So we are working super, super techie and we have a job to take care of infrastructure, right? It's not our job to understand what the infrastructure should provide, right? And here we get into the whole understanding of is our tr- is our organization geared for this, right? Like like uh, here we have the business processes, the domain knowledge uh, to the right, and then we go into process, and then we go to into IT so IT demand, going into the IT supply, from IT supply going to infra data center, going ooh, down to the plumbing, right? And these guys, their job, I mean, like the way we've been organized within IT. And, and these kind of things, not necessarily have we been cross-functionally organized, but we have our very, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think it goes all the way back to w- the tech and the data is not c- part of the core business as it has been seen as the plumbing. And actually now you need to care about the plumbing to do a data product. That's what I get out of this. Yeah, you, you have to care about the plumbing. I mean, you know, uh, h- how happy are you on a Friday evening when, when, when your plumbing breaks down and nobody can use the toilets? I mean, you know, it, it's a disaster. I mean, plumbing is essential, uh, but you don't, you don't know how it works. You don't have to know how it works. You just, you know, it, it works. And it, it's, the, it's the same here. So you have, 
it's a utility, you know, and and it, it's it's really the same uh, as I've I've said to you. And we've spoken on other occasions. It's like it's your your desktop computers and 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 things like that. It's it it's a utility and and it has it, it's an enabler for the business, but it's not connected to the business and the people that typically maintain and do that, they they have no idea of what the business is that we, we sit and program and, and, and do stuff on our computers that, that create value and we sell something. An IT department, they're not there. We're here to make sure that your computer works. And and this it's is the same thing, right? And, and 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 because I think this is one of the hard things to understand now that you kind of enter you need I mean like you need to talk about the the, the, ver- the verticalization of data in some ways here. And and I mean, like there are cases here of, of some companies who who does this better than others. I mean, like we, we've talked uh, and we talked about it with uh, uh, Mikael Klingvall, who has been a big fan of Tesla, right? So Tesla has, I don't know how they do it, but how they have it, a data verticalization happening from the sensors in the car to how they how they will like bring it all together, uh, how they how the models learn and then they shoot it out. But actually, it drives all. It is you know, in some ways, it connects the whole way up the whole vert- vertical chain makes sense right it's quite amazing so I, I think this is bringing a topic that you know you need to master the, the the why the data question really really well you know and and it becomes clear when we have an AI guests they ask the same question right but they're asking is this a neural network is this a CNN network or is it a transformer type style network I'm setting up you know same question right but at the different level of the stack so the data scientist has exactly the same question as you have but for a di- you know different yeah, purpose yeah D- different purpose uh, and and it's it's I mean, the example you say, I mean, I think the, the, the data first companies, they, they grew up with data. So, yes. so, so IT and data are an integral part, not only of their product, but in how they work. And how they think and how they ask the question. The why the data question comes naturally to them. Exactly. And if you have companies that are eons old that started with, you know, handmade tools and, you know. Uh, data is a byproduct. Data is something that has come afterwards, and 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 to get the mindset around. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, even an Ericsson. I mean, you know, they they put AI in to self organize the networks. That's part of five G. You know, there, there's a lot of smarts, but does AI drive their business? Is it is how they perform their business and how they organize and and, and execute? That is probably not part of their business, but it's part of their product. And I think a lot of companies that even do high tech products and, and, and are in this world, they don't drive their business that way because they have a legacy. They came from somewhere else and they haven't, they can build the products with, with, with great capabilities using this new tool set, but they can't, they can't get their organization to be, be part of that. And so, I mean, like, so, so it, it becomes just the, 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 the bottom line summary is the t-shirt slogan. What the fuck are you going to use the data for? And all that four times. I mean, like that, that's yeah. really driving the whole story here. And it, and it, and it resonates. Now we're talking IOT and you ask the same question, right? And then we need to ask it the whole way through all the way up to the AI and, and all yeah. that. So I, I mean, we're running out of time now, and I have two major topics oh, I, 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 I kind of want to cover. So I think that's, 
Um, that's a wrap on that topic. I, I want to talk a little bit about um, the whole transformation about going, you know, and I think because you are experiencing, uh, you are in the heart of this transformation, right? To be, to from hardware to software, from one-off projects to recurring revenues. So like we talk about the word digital transformation, but I think let's talk about this fundamental shift that is happening in many industries now. And I think the data and AI readiness revolution is also about, you know, we have all these fantastic analog customers that now need to have data and AI services and products. So I want to explore this from the Sierra angle. You know, you are coming from hardcore wireless, you know, gizmo, gizmo player. And you are now talking about a different offering where you have your carrier stuff and you have your, you know, there's different things. So what do you think about that whole journey from hardware to a service and one deals to recurring revenue, stuff like this? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's a journey. I think mo- most companies will, will need to jump on at some point. And I mean, why, know, why, why is it for all, you know, why, why do we all end up here? I just want to challenge you before you go, you go down well, on that, that that's a good train. Well, well, that's a good question, but I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, the, the recurring revenue model is, is, is a preferred because you, you even, you even out, uh, and it has to do with, I think it has to do with the, you know, stock markets and, and, uh, you know, we tie into that, you know, you, you have to perform well every quarter. I mean, if you do, if you do one shot sales, you might have, you know, a fantastic Q1, you, you know, you, you sell 230% of what you did, you know, Q1 the year before, but, but in Q2, you're, you're, you're down to 70% of, of, of the year before. And, and then, you know, but I, I think this is good, but I think it's also part of what position do you want to have in the value chain? I remember from the product lifecycle management, uh, you know, stuff we did with Ericsson, we talked about, okay, if we are the commodity and the customer wants the service, you, we are actually opening up that there will be an uh, other guy in the middle here. And we would, I, I, I remember we were talking, this is 2005 or something like that. And we could already then see that, okay, if we only stay on the hardware, someone else will figure out, you know, what, you know, the hardware is not the real value. The, the value is actually how I provide, in, in this case, data to their data center. And the problem that you're solving that is of value is also the, you know, so what I, I think it's the recurring revenue is also a consequence of where you want to do in in the value chain. You know, some people can say, oh, I want to stay, I, I, don't, I just want to produce chipsets. That's what I want to do. But the customer is not wanting chipsets anymore. It's also the customer, you know, the whole, everything gets more complex. And, and the end customer don't want to deal with that complexity anymore. So they want to manage service. They want something else. Yes. And all of a sudden, are you going to take that position or not? Well, that, I, I think mean, that's part of this game as well. Yeah, well, uh, partially, I mean, the, the Sierra position, that's partially the Sierra position, right? So, I mean, we had hardware, then, you know, you have to manage the hardware. So you have the management piece of the, the hardware, and then you have the connectivity. And I mean, if you have to go, it's, it's, it's really like, you know, a, a PC in, in the days, early days of PC, you know, you, you bought different parts from, 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 from different providers and you built it all together. 
And and that's fine maybe on a small scale, but if you want to scale that, you don't want to do that every time. You want a complete computer every time. You know, I just want to go to my guy and I get everything and it works. Um, so I think that's the game, right? So yeah, the game so is the game is also basically the customer wants something else and the hardware and figure all the shit out. It's too complex. Yeah, I, I, because at the end of the day, w- w- a business wants to spend their time figuring out, you know, how do I do value in my business? I don't want to, you know, I don't want to learn another industry and what it makes to, you know, build these gadgets I together. De- I don't want to deal with seventy carriers. Exactly, and and and. Um, you know, it, it it it's it's making the hard simpler. You know, you 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 buy a part of that, and as you say, it might not be for everybody, but I think it's 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 getting there to more for everybody. So, and and also the the thing is that you know, if if you draw that even further out, you know, well, I only want to pay for it while I use it. So you can start measuring well. I use exactly. it. I use it sixteen hours a day. The eight hours a day I don't use it. I'm not paying for it, but I'm willing to pay this price for when I use it. And and you know, and, and those models will also occur. And seeing, I mean, tip, typically, you know, um, the connectivity part is, you know, it's it's about bits and bytes. So that's typically, you know, usage based. You know, but but your main bet is that people don't want to end up with the complexity of managing the sensor and all this, and then dealing with all the carriers. So you're you're, you're betting on what they really want, what the value is, is the data stream. Yes, and then how can we build? And that's our problem to fix. Yeah, so something so the, like this, yes. right? So the plumbing of it, you know, I just wanted to. I want data from A to B and, you know, really how it So you don't there. center on the component anymore. You center on the core oil. Yeah. The goal is data. And yeah. how do I get that from the sensor to here? Yeah. That becomes the core business. Yeah. And, um, but it's also, I think the challenging there is the, is the conversation. Who do you have that conversation with? Because that's yeah. typically not an engineer, right? So the, you, the engineer built the sensor and, and the stuff that went to it. He's like, I have data, you know. I don't know what I'm going to use the data for. I, I just build stuff, right? So your whole conversation, it, like, so what, that's typical now. So the, the point of how to sell diff, changes. Yes. So how, how, how is Sierra coping with that change? I, I, mean, I mean, it's been a journey and we, we're starting to get there. And I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's an educational from, from everybody. And I mean, you know, with acquisitions, we've had people come on board that come from the other side that mm. are used to selling services. And then we say, you know, now we're combining it with hardware. And then they go, they go hardware, you know, what? what? You know, <laughs> protocols, what? Yeah, you know, and, and hardware is a long say cycle, you know, a service, you know, what once, you know, you've checked all the boxes, you go, great, you know, I'll have that service. And, you know, you're up and going, you know, hardware, you know, you need to integrate, you need to test and you need to figure out some more stuff, you know, it takes Forever. So some of your fundamental processes is geared for the hardware sale and that need to be rethought how it works now when, when it's a service yeah. sale. Yeah. And, and I mean, and people need to be geared and, and it, you know, it's, it takes time. I mean, pe- pe- you know, it's hard to change people and people's habits and, and, you know, it's a new set of skills and, you know, every, everybody has to get on board. And I think we've done an interesting journey and, and we've had a, uh, you know, a, a more a, a clear direction of going more in, into into the service space. But, but, but I think it's it's it is another angle on this is which is similar. The hardware uh, topic becomes a software topic. I, I mean, like if I talk uh, 
if, if we would look into a radio base station of Ericsson in the 90s, and I would do a measurement, how much percentage is hardware versus software, and then I do the same measurement on a cellular base station of 5G, you know. Yeah, there's there's still a lot of hardware, but the value isn't in the hardware. It's, it's as, as you say, it's in the software. What can I do with the hardware? And yeah, you, I mean, I mean like, also embedded now is yeah. a lot of software going on in the actual product. Yes, and, and, and I mean, it's, uh, you, you know, and then you can pick and choose. Do I want to use feature A, B, C, D? Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, it's the same here, you know. For, for us, you know, you you don't have to use our service. You can, you know, you can pick and choose. Well, I want to manage this part. Yeah, fine. I want the hardware or that, or I want the whole thing. So it, it really depends where I th- where you are at and where your focus is. So, I mean, if, if you're still focused, as you said, on the gizmos, you can continue to do that. And, and I mean, there'll be some that continue that forever and, and be very successful and we can still serve them. But I think the new, the, the paradigm shift of where ev- everybody wants to get the data and they get less interested in, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Giz, giz, the gizmo, you know, I just want my data and I want you to help me get the data and I don't really care what, what, what's there. But I, but I think in some ways also, I mean like the, the journey you are talking about now, let's connect it back to the whole world because when I was at Vattenfall and now I, and I'm working a, a lot with Scania and I think, and, and it becomes clear for me for these sort of big companies, whatever they have done as their super successful legacy as an analog company, they, they, are, they are essentially turning into 50% software companies, whether they like it or not. I mean, like the, the, the next level of um, efficiency in, in managing an, an energy network is not gonna be the copper anymore, it's gonna be the software and the optimization of the net. And, and the next level of, uh, of uh, truck manufacturing is going to be a transport ecosystem. We, we talk about this already. So essentially now, uh, two companies I work with, which has a 100-year-old legacy, you know, hardcore physical assets, whatever they do, but the paradigm shift, even if it hasn't really fully happened, everybody knows it, that w- you know, whether you like it or not, in 10 years time, five years time, we are 50% a software company. So I, I think the whole idea now, this transformation we're happening from, you know, and, 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 and then of course, Scania is also a service, right? You know, we, we're gonna measure and get, and we're gonna pay for transportation. You, you, you know, autonomous vehicles is one step. And then actually who's gonna buy a vehicle? You know, it's, it's gonna be all, you know, routed around. You know, if you think all the way out where this goes, if, if you know, so I think to close off or like to, to, I mean, like this topic of sort of how to do, um, this topic, which was all about like digital transformation, where this is going data, um, from products to service or, or from, from hardware to software. I, I think the end note, you know, where I want to go the last couple of minutes on this is, is sort of, if I now take this conversation we're having, and then we are saying something that we said before, everything is going to be connected. Okay. You know, connecting everything like the, the 50 billion connections of IOT of Ericsson or whatever. And then we now take a data and AI first mindset, right? You know, that that's sort of the end uh, theme. 
you know, what, the end game. The, you know, the end game is quite. I, I don't think it's quite. Un, it's not rocket science to see where when you connect everything, and you couple that with the data and AI first mindset. It kind of means we're all software companies, or we all need to deal with data, regardless of what process we are in. Right? That that I think that has to be super super clear to everyone by now. Yeah, and, and I, I think you're absolutely right because I mean it doesn't really matter. I mean, I mean, the way the way we can see it, you know, as, as you say, analog things. I mean, you know, because we connect things. I mean, the. the the types of applications we see, you know, it, it's none excluded. It could be, you know, yeah. you, you have warehouses, you have problems with rats, you have you. We, we connect rat traps yeah. that, that that send an indication when they've killed a rat. I mean, th- there you have it. The warehouses, there are no lights because nobody works in the la- warehouse. They're completely dark. But you know, so. So they have well, sensors. Yeah, and, and Walmart have sensors on their cans of soups yeah. in order to understand stock take Ex- in real time. Exactly. And so the, it's just a matter of what type of sensor fits yes. this type of business problem I, and I mean, cost. We have, we have the agricultural industry that you think would be very basic, you know, food production. But, you know, I saw the Huawei case when they connected cows. Have right. you seen that? Yeah, yeah, connected cows. Is, that's that's <laughs> no one. But I, I can give you another one. You know, the, they're starting to put uh, sensors in the ground to see, you know, when, when crop, when the optimal time is to, to harvest. When, when, you know, the hum- humidity, uh, temperature or yeah, wh- whatever, exactly. you, you know. So, I mean, it is data. It doesn't, you know, you're, you're not isolated un- un- unless you, you go off grid, literally. If, okay. if, if you choose an off grid, but I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're not, a, you know, you're a decimal somewhere in, in that, you know, the mountain men in Alaska or whatever that, you know, they're, they're then, off grid. You, then you're off grid. Yeah. But, but for the rest of us who's, who's yeah. following the trajectory, I mean, like this is yeah. some sort of trajectory. Yes. If you're a farmer, mm-hmm. you kind of need to know your data and AI around when to harvest your crops for sure. Yeah. The what sensor is there. The AI is there. The use case is there. Yeah, you know, fertilize whatever. You know, there's poor rain. I need to water. Yeah, you know, you know, it's data. It's all. It's all about the data. Data is the currency, and everybody needs it. But okay, so as as an ending note, so if we sort of see this sort of, we all become sort of software companies, and we have algorithms supporting every single process that we can think of. Um. If we know that already now, and we we kind of want to do the right stuff now, take the right choices now, uh, today, tomorrow. So, you know, what do I do as as an organization, uh, public sector, private sector? You know, what should I focus on now? Because I I guess I'm so far away to have it all lined up like that. And I don't really know how the infrastructure will work. But what are are things that are sort of no regrets stuff do it anyway because it will help you accelerate this journey what do you think that yeah, is I, as, a, I, as an ending note well yeah the, i think the ending note is that that uh, as, as i said you know no organization started big everything started small so i mean to get started you need to get started get your hands dirty you know try you know small scale you know what does it mean connect one thing and see 
what does that data tell me? What what data am I getting? Is it, you know, can I use this for something or is it something else? You, and rather than go, yeah, we have to change our whole organization. We need all these systems. And you no, I, I mean, that's the wrong approach. You have to start small. So, so everybody needs to understand that where you, even the Amazon started small, right? Yes. I mean, like even the Amazon started in the garage and the tricky part is for our big corporations or the public sector to come into that mindset to basically not overdo it, but try, use learn. And, it, and it's a learning curve. That's what you're saying yeah. somewhere. And, 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 and it's, it's, you know, those simple things start, start connecting your things and, and look at the data. You know, you need somebody who does and and it's multidisciplinary as as we said you know, Multi- you, you know you need to start figuring out the multidisciplinary thing yeah. get on that 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 okay so start small just get started so you get more concrete understanding and then this will be multidisciplinary you cannot fail when you start to putting the right brains together with different perspectives on this in order to cover the value chain literally yeah that that is a no given you know get on that bandwagon now yeah please yeah. Yeah. Then I have one more for you. Oh. Start treating data as an asset. Well, you know, if you think and say data is the new oil, you can't treat it as a byproduct. If we we all understand now that all this will be driven by data, but it means that, that we need to have classified it, categorized it. We need to have put it in a catalog. Otherwise, you know, if you know, why are you collecting all the data if you can't find it and use it and understand what it is? So 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 whether you like it for the short term game or the long term game, start small, cross disciplinary, start caring about the boring data stuff, not treating it as a byproduct. Yeah, I, yeah, you know. Those are three good advices. Yeah, I mean, you know, data. Don't don't forget the data. Don't forget the data. All right. So we are we are basically over time now. So. Last question to sort of kind of wrap this up. I have two questions for you. Number one, what's next in your life, or what 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 is sort of cool stuff on the horizon that you're working on, or you know, privately cool. in the Corona time? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I don't know. I, I'm I th- I th- I'm I'm really looking forward to five G because it's it's it, it's 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 a it's the big new thing is a B2B play. And you have some, I'm sure you have some interesting conversations going on now that absolutely. you can't talk. Yeah, absolutely. Some cool stuff, yeah? Yeah. And, and I think that that that's the game changer for me, that, that the excitement, that the hype about 5G isn't about the phones. It's going to be, it's going to be the industry. That, this, this, that, is, this, it's, this is an industry play, really. Yes, okay, yes. Cool. That's the cool thing. Cool. And now, very last question. If you would, um, um, and recommend or who would, would you want to listen to on this podcast? I put you on the spot now. So if you think about it, like who would you, which is your dream guest you want to hear that we can get, you think? Any cool guys that you want to listen to? That, that That's a hard one. Um, Well, Ray Kurzweil, but yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't you get him, but, but I, yeah, I mean, it's good. I, we will try, but okay. So make it, uh, on earth. Ray Kurzweil would be super cool. Um, 
any, but any colleagues, any, any, any good, cool customers, any, anyone. In, in, and it, it's the data and AI connection we're looking for, of course. But, but also in industry or politicians. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. Who, who's, who's, who's really... Um, who, who, who regulates 5G, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I, in, in the country, I mean, it'll be in Sweden, it's PTS, right? PTS, guess, right. It gives their license. Someone they, from PTS would be interested. Um, but, but I think... But the, I, if I would say I, I'm not sure who to pick, but I think the conversation I would like to see in data and AI because it, it's supposed to benefit us as people. Yes, and and then I think public sector. I think people from public sector, somebody who who understands this and on, on a mission really to change this, because I'm I'm desperately afraid that that public sector, sector is left behind and and doesn't get it and and. And the question is, will they ever get it? And, and what happens then? Yeah. And I mean, like in Sweden has a, a quite, I mean, like in, in our GDP, Sweden is a country with a quite high percentage in, in the public sector. So, it's, yeah. uh, like, so this, is a, this is for the whole country, right? So uh, public sector view on, on data and AI is something you look yeah. for and guests in that yeah, area. Yeah. And, and how, how they, you know, how they need to embrace and work to, you know, you know use that tool to become yeah. a better society. So we had Louise Callenberry, uh, mm. who is head of digitalization in Esquire. Mm. So, but uh, let's take some more people from public sector. I, I, I like that as a summary. B- because I think That's important can, for yeah. society yeah. in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Henrik. Thank you, Daniel. Super cool. Thank you very much for this excellent journey. And, it, you know, two hours flies, right? Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah. Take care, man. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye.